Good morning, Elevation Church. Y'all doing all right today? You know what? You're doing really well. You know how we know? Because you're up and you're alive. And the last time I checked, it was a good day to be alive. All right? It's a great day to be alive. I know that because you are alive, because I am alive, and we are alive today because God has given us the privilege of being a part of His kingdom and playing a role in His plan for this world, for the people in it, and for eternity. And I am thrilled to play that role and to be a part of what God is doing. My goal this morning is that each one of us would leave here better equipped to be a part of that plan, to play the role that God has for us. We're going to get into the Word in a few minutes. We're going to find out what Jesus has to say about a very important topic, the topic of prayer. We're continuing our series, the teaching series we've been in for, I think this is week six or something like that. Uh, It's called Red Ink, and it's all about the words of Jesus, which in many Bibles are represented in red ink to make them stand out and be separate from everything else so that we can see them and realize the importance of the words that Christ spoke. Before we get into the message this morning, though, I want to welcome anybody that's here this morning visiting for the first time, or even if you're visiting for the fifth time, it's okay, we allow you to visit more than once. Um, If you are here and have never filled one of these cards out before, this is our guest registry card, and we'd like you to fill one of these out, not so that I can telemarket you, because I did that in high school, and that's not a fun job, and I don't like doing that anymore, Um, but so that we can get back in touch with you and share with you the things that are going on in the life of Elevation Church. There's a lot of stuff happening within the the life of this church, the body of believers that is Elevation Church. And we want to include you so that you can get a better feel for who we are and how we are carrying out God's mission for us and decide if this is a great place for you to carry out God's mission for you. And so the best way to do that is to fill one of these out and when the offering basket comes by later, drop this rascal in there and I will follow up with you uh, at some point this week uh, with a phone call and or email. And uh, after that, you don't ever have to hear from me again if you don't want to. So it's real simple, real easy, you know. One of those things. But if you would do that, and that way we can stay in touch. Everything you have seen to this point, everything you're about to see and hear, has all been planned with you in mind. We're glad that you all are here, whether you're here for the 52nd time or the first time. Uh, So just know that God has put some things on our hearts and into our heads to do for you so that He can reach you with His Word and His message. And so now we're going to continue getting into His Word and finding out what his message is as we track down what Jesus says about prayer in Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 6. We're continuing in the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest message ever preached, greatest sermon ever given by the greatest preacher ever to live, Jesus himself. If he thought enough to say these things, I think it's important for us to find out what he said and then how what he said applies in your life and in my life, because the application is where the power is. Just knowing what Jesus said is only the first step. What then do you do with the words of Jesus? That's what is transformational. That's what can make the biggest difference in your life, in the lives of your family, in the life of this community. And so we're going to find out today in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 8, what Jesus says about prayer, and then we're going to talk about what we do with what he says about prayer. So let's go Matthew 6, verses 5 to 8. If you have your Bibles, read with me. If not, the verses are on the screen right up here. Jesus said, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. 
But when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. I read that passage of Scripture, and the thing that pops off the page to me is that Jesus, more so than teaching how to pray, is teaching how not to pray. He's saying, he he didn't necessarily say do it like this, as much as he said, don't do it like that. And he points out, the very first group of people he points out not to do it like are the hypocrites. Who wants to be a hypocrite? Yeah, right, none of us. How many of you know you are one, right? Yeah, me too. Right, we're all hypocrites. So he's not talking about just the everybody hypocrites. I think Jesus is pointing out specifically the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were a group of people in the Jewish faith back in Jesus' time. They were almost like a political party. They were like a little sect, a division of Judaism. And they were legalists. They believed in following the law to the letter. And not just the Mosaic law, not just the the law of the Old Testament. They liked to add their own laws to it. And they were all about legalism. And man, it better be to the letter of the law. Dot your I's, cross your T's, obedience And what you do in your life is what justifies you with God. What you do, how you live, the decisions that you make, the actions that people see, that is what makes you righteous. They believe their righteousness came from what they did on the outside of their bodies. Now, Jesus, in the last several weeks, has addressed this a couple of different times. Jesus has talked directly about the Pharisees, and he's talked about this legalism and this approach of what you do on the outside justifying you with God, making you right with God. Jesus said, uh-uh, that ain't how it works. He said it's about what's in your heart. What makes you right with God is about what's in your heart, not what you do on the outside, but what is in your heart. Remember, he taught us that we can commit murder in our hearts by hating somebody, by devaluing a person and taking away the value that God has planted in them when he designed them in his image and his likeness, when he gave them purpose and breathe life into them, and put them on this earth. There's value in every person. And when you hate somebody, you devalue them, and you commit murder in your heart. He taught us also that you can commit adultery in your heart by lusting after somebody, by lusting after a member of the opposite sex, by lusting after him or after her. You can commit adultery in your heart. Now, that messed the Pharisees up because they believed that adultery was just this and that, that murder was just the physical act. And, and now he's talking about prayer and he says, don't pray like these guys. Because the way they like to pray is they like to find a busy intersection. They want to go downtown where the people are. They want to find a busy intersection and there they will go through a ritualistic prayer where they will put on their prayer robes prayer shawls, and and they will sometimes just make a big issue of their prayer. They'll pray loud. They may kneel down to even draw more attention. They may stand tall so they can be seen, but they're going to make a big issue of their prayers, and they pray these eloquent, big word, powerful sounding prayers, but who are they praying for? Who are they praying to? Why are they praying? The thing is, Jesus says, they're praying to impress people. That's why they've set themselves up in public places. They're praying to impress 
people because they want people to think that they are so righteous. They want people to think that they're so pious, so godly, so pure, so perfect. And so they practice this prayer life out in the open in front of everybody for their own benefit, for their own glorification. And so that other people will think that they're something special and something great. They believe that what they did on the outside made them right with God. Jesus says, no, what they do on the inside or what is in their hearts is what makes them right with God. Don't pray in public like this to draw attention to yourself and to impress people. Now, Jesus isn't saying don't pray in public. Jesus himself prayed in public. So we're pretty sure he didn't say don't pray in public. That's not the point. The point is don't pray for the benefit of the public. Don't pray to impress the public. Don't pray to make the public think you are a great guy or a great girl. Beware of who your audience is. Are you praying to God? Are you praying for God? Are you praying for man? Who's your audience? Who are you trying to make an impression with when you pray? Jesus is challenging a lot of people's prayer lives right about now. I mean, at the time when he was preaching from the side of the mountain, and I think maybe right about now in this room, some people better be doing a little bit of soul searching about their prayer life. Do I pray to impress other people? Because that's not what God desires. God's desire for our prayers is that our prayers would be honest, heartfelt, sincere, that we would pour out what's inside of us. Not that we would stand in the public and call attention to us. you got to know who your audience is. Who are you trying to impress? God or man? Maybe some of you are having a hard time processing that. Maybe it's already getting a little bit too heavy in the room. So to help you both process and understand what I'm talking about, and maybe to add a little bit of levity to this kind of heavy topic, this heavy message, I pulled a little video clip that most of you, I'll bet all of you, will be familiar with. And I think it illustrates the point and at the same time gives us something to laugh about. Let's roll that video and see if we can identify with what Jesus is teaching. Oh, dear God, thank you. You are such a good God to us, a, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly lain at our table this day and each day by day. Day by day, by day. Oh, dear Lord, three things we pray. To love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, to follow thee more nearly, day by day, by day. Amen. Amen. Oh, Greg, that was lovely. 
Thank you, Craig. That just hurts to watch, man. I don't know if any of you guys have empathy as one of your great strengths in your life. I have empathy. I can feel somebody else's pain. And when somebody else is in an embarrassing situation, I hurt for them. I will like glow red. I can feel my ears heating up as I watch that. I'm like embarrassed for Greg. But you know what the problem with Greg, why that prayer is so funny? It's because Greg wasn't not, he, he was not praying to God. He wasn't trying to communicate with the Lord. He wasn't, what's he, he, was, he was trying to impress his fiance's parents. He was trying to impress man. And it was a disaster. Would you agree? By the way, that scene is from Meet the Parents. Most of you have seen it. If you haven't seen it, it's a great movie. Watch it, rent it. You'll laugh. Hilarious. The point, though, is that when you try to pray to impress men, it's a disaster. It's embarrassing. You will make yourself just look awful. And so I can imagine these Pharisees praying on the street corners. And those who didn't know probably were impressed. But those who really understood the scriptures, who understood the power and the purpose of prayer, who understand that prayer is a conversation with God, nothing more and nothing less. It's communicating with the Lord. And they watched these people make these fools out of themselves. Those people probably were laughing and at the same time hurting because they knew what an embarrassment this was. Our prayer priority today, and for that, by the way, that's, that's really what I titled our, our message today is prayer priorities. I probably should have told you that on the front end. We're going to cover three prayer priorities today, three. If you want to write these things down, I think that's a great thing. If you don't have a piece of paper, flip over that card, that info card, and just write, take notes on the back of that. That's always, I mean, that's always there for you to be able to do that with. So if you want to go ahead and number one, two, three, we're going to do three prayer priorities. Prayer priority number one, just so I don't now tell you the wrong one, is know who your audience is. Know who your audience is. Know who you are praying to. Who. Emphasis on who. Who. Are you trying to impress men? Are you trying to impress people? Or are you just trying to communicate with God? Who is your audience? Because when you know your audience, it's a lot easier to then pray appropriate prayers, to pray open-hearted, to share with God the hurts, the questions, the fears, and the doubts to share with God the joys and the praises and, and all of the wonderful things that are going on in your life. It's great to communicate with God like that, to be open with Him. But if you're praying to impress people, you'll never be open. You'll try to pull every $10 word that you know. You'll rhyme and do Dr. Seuss. I mean, you'll do whatever you got to do as you try to fake it till you make it to impress people with your prayers. Prayer is a big part of building a personal relationship with the Lord. Did you know that's what God desires for you? He wants to know you personally, intimately. And He wants to be known by you personally and intimately. And if I polled Christians across the country, across the world, I believe most Christians would say they want a deeper relationship with God. They want a better understanding of who He is and what He wants for them. They want to know Him more and they want to be known more. And yet, a lot of Christians struggle with the basics of prayer. And I think it starts with these prayer priorities we're talking about today. A lot of people are praying 
to impress people instead of praying to build a relationship with God, a close and deep, personal, intimate relationship with the Lord. They don't want to be real. They don't want to be real with God, so they hide behind these other things. You know what? God wants you to be real. Here's a, maybe you don't know this. I'm about to drop a bomb for some. It was a bomb when I first got it. You're not hiding anything from God by not telling Him in prayer. He already knows. When you did that stupid thing, that really embarrassing thing, that really dark, sinful thing, He was right there with you. He knows. He's just looking for you to be honest and open with Him and tell Him the, the truth. God, I messed up. God, I'm afraid. God, I'm not sure I believe in you. There's, I got questions. God knows. He's not shocked. And the beauty is God's got great big shoulders. Like he can handle your deepest, darkest, hardest, most challenging questions, your biggest secrets, and, and your most private fears. He, he can handle all of it. He has an answer for everything. And he's ready to receive those things from you if you will just be open and honest with him in prayer and stop trying to impress people. We stop trying to impress people and start praying these honest prayers. Man, that's where God's will for your life begins to be impressed upon you. When you stop trying to impress people and just get honest with God, that's where God be can begin to impress into you His Word and His will for your life. As long as you're running around trying to impress other people, He cannot impress onto you, into you, what it is He has for you because you're not ready to listen. You don't have ears to hear what He is saying. Which leads us kind of into our next prayer priority. Verse 7, we were told, don't pray like the pagans do. Don't pray like the pagans, the non-believers, the non-Jews or now non-Christians. Don't pray like them. They just babble on and on and on. They think that they're going to be heard because they talk a lot. Because they pray long prayers. Or because they pray repetitious prayers. They think they can just, you know, beat God down into doing what they want Him to do. Prayer priority number two is be aware of what you pray. What are you praying? Emphasis on what? What, 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 what? Are you praying? Because God's not looking for the volume of words, like the mega prayer to pray forever, to like make your knees hurt you're praying so long, to like make the dinner cold because you're praying so long. Come on, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. There's nothing worse than having to eat a cold dinner because somebody couldn't get their prayer life right in the morning or the afternoon or some other time besides at the dinner table. Anyway, personal pet peeve, sorry. Um, just saying. You know, as a, as a pastor, you know, we... A lot of times pastors get together and go to lunch and hang out and do stuff. And sometimes pastors try to impress other pastors with their prayers. You know, it's, shall we pray? You know, and you get in, you're ready to pray over the meal and you're sitting there. And, you know, I just, when a pastor does that and, and, and he prays long over the meal, I do to him what was done to me when I tried that the first time. The, as soon as I said amen, one of the other pastors at the table said, well, we know who didn't have his quiet time today, and they just dug in and started eating. So I was just shocked and embarrassed that they would call me out like that. So anyway, you can use that. I would um, encourage you to be careful who you use it with, but I would just, you know, 
There it is. All right, where was I? What was I saying? That was None of that was in my notes. That was all free. Um, be careful what you pray. Be aware of what you pray. What are you praying? God is not looking for the volume of words. He's not looking for the amount of times that you repeat the same prayer over and over. God's not like a mom at the grocery store with her children who walk into the grocery store and say, Mom, can I have candy? No. Mom, can I have candy? No. Hey, Mom, there's some candy over there. I'd like that candy. No. How about this candy? No. That candy over there? No. How about if it's not candy? What if it's um, chocolate? Chocolate's candy. Oh, okay. Well, can I have chocolate? No. Can I have candy? No. Candy, 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 chocolate, 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 me, 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 no, 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 no. Okay. Will you just take it and shut up so I can shop? You all use that tactic on your mom, too. Don't look at me like I'm the only one. You moms know your kids do it to you. It doesn't matter how many times you tell them you're going to spank them or whatever else. They just, they just they needle you because they know if they ask you enough times, they can wear you down. There's a chance. God's not like that. It doesn't matter how many times you ask him to do your will. He's going to do his will. It just doesn't matter. He doesn't care how many times. He doesn't care how long your prayers are. What he cares about is your heart. God cares about the heart behind the prayer. What are you praying? Are you praying for your will? Are you praying these repetitious prayers, trying to wear God down? Are you praying these long prayers to try to impress God or, again, impress men? Are you being open? Are you being honest? Are you pouring your heart out? Are you praying Scripture? Oh, God, will ch- man, there's a, there's a gut check, for, a heart check for some of us. Are you praying Scripture? Do you know enough Scripture to pray Scripture? Just saying. great to pray. It's even great to pray long prayers. If you've got a lot to pray about, God's ready to listen to your long prayers. A long prayer doesn't necessarily mean you're babbling on and on. But check yourself. See if you're just praying those long, babbling, rambling prayers. A, because you don't know how to pray or what to pray. You don't want to share what's on your heart, so you just start making stuff up. Some of y'all have prayed with your kids before. You've heard them, man, they can go into some lengthy prayers. My kids, I swear, sometimes it's like they know what's on their heart, and they're, a, they're so worried about sharing it, they don't want dad or mom to hear it, maybe. So when they pray, they just start praying in circles around other things. They'll pray for grandmas, next-door neighbors, nieces, cat with a broken toenail. I didn't even know that grandma had a next-door neighbor with a niece that had a cat. How did you know the toenail? But they know, and they're going to pray about anything and everything. And sometimes we pray like that. But we don't want to pray about what's real. We'll make something up. We'll find something else. You don't want to pray what's going on in your life. You're real quick to pray about what's going on in somebody else's life. We call that Christian gossip. Girl, did you know her husband did that? We better pray for her. Dude, did you hear about what happened at church with A and B and X and Y and Z and Dude, we better be praying for them. What are you praying? Pray open, honest, earnest, personal prayers. Don't drone on and on like I'm doing right now. Um, Because when you pray like that, you know what happens? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing changes in your life. Nothing improves. God's not doing any work in you because you're not giving Him anything to work with. 
He knows what needs to happen. He's waiting on you to be honest and admit it. He's ready to go to work. He's ready to meet you right where you are. He's waiting for you. Prayer priority number three. Be aware of how you pray. How you pray. So far we've learned that we need to talk to God. We need to share open and honest things, be earnest and, and really be personal and just really put ourselves out there, which kind of scares me a little bit sometimes, but that's what I need to do. I need to, I need to talk. I had a pastor one time that um, was doing a message like this, and he gave an acronym for prayer. I'm going to share it with you today. It's a funny little acronym. It's P-R-A-Y. Write that down on your notes. P-R-A-Y. Little acronym about prayer. Something to maybe help you as you talk to keep your talking on track. The P stands for praise. Praising God. I talked a minute ago about praying scriptures. You know, one of the great things that we can do is, is pray scripture back to God. Pray back to God the things in the Bible that describe God. Let Him know that you know and understand these things about Him. That God is, a, as, a, as we sung a little while ago, God is an awesome God. He's a great God. Our God is greater. Our God is higher. Our God is stronger than any other. we got a great, awesome, amazing, powerful, mighty, omnipotent, omniscient, praiseworthy God. Praise God when you pray. Tell Him you love Him, but only if you mean it because He does know. Just saying. Praise God. The R is for request. This is where we spend most of our time in prayer. Right? Let's be honest. This is where we spend most of our time in prayer. Request. We, we want to request things from God. God can, I mean, I would love to have a, well, God wants you to get me a Mercedes Benz, right? God, can I have money? God, can I have a better job? God, can I have a better spouse? Did I just pray that? God, can I have this? God, can I, that was not my personal prayer. I'm using that as an example. My spouse is awesome. She's standing here, sitting here, and if I meant that for real, I'd be dead right now, so she knows. I love my wife, Trina. But you pray, people pray things like this. God, would you, I just want to be happy. God, I know you want me to be happy. You know, that's a fallacy. God does not want you to be happy. God wants you to be obedient. Ouch. That hurts me, too. That was a shot right here. God doesn't want you to be happy. God wants you to be obedient. Out of your obedience, you will have joy. That wasn't even in my notes. That was free stuff right there. Request. What do you ask God for? Ask God for things. It's great to ask Him even for material things. God knows you have material desires and wants. He knows because He wired you that way. It's cool to want stuff. It's also cool to want healing for yourself and for others. To intercede for other people. Intercessory prayer is a great thing. That's praying for the needs and the wants, for the health and the safety and for the salvation of other people. We should spend a lot of time asking God, asking Him to work in this area of my life, in that area of my life. God, this person I've been talking to at work who doesn't know you, God, would you reveal yourself to her so that I can help her understand you are real, you are awesome, and she needs you requests. The A is for admit. This is the one we don't spend much time on. This is admitting that you're a sinner, that you do wrong things, that you get outside of God's desire for your life pretty much every day. Let's be honest, every day. Every day. And it's coming clean with God about what He already knows, that you're a sinner, that you've messed up, that you've messed up today. 
And don't just say, oh God, I'm a sinner, I messed up, please forgive me. He knows all that. How did you mess up? What sin specifically did you commit today? Confess those sins. Admit that to God. The Bible says that we can confess our sins to one another that we may be healed. I think confessing our sins to God is a greater healing yet than confessing to each other. God's got the power to heal you on the spot. He's already forgiven you if you're a Christian. He wants to know that you know that you messed up. And He can free you from the guilt that you're carrying around for that sin and can work in your heart so that you don't repeat that sin again. One of my favorite Proverbs says, As a dog returns to its vomit, nasty, so a fool returns to his folly. The whole idea in confessing your sin and admitting this is letting God work in your heart so that you don't repeat your folly, so you don't go back to your own, I won't say the word again, but you know it's nasty. Admit. And then finally, the why is for yield. Yield. Submit to God. Submit to His leadership. Submit and let Him do the work in your life that He wants to do, that you want Him to do, and that we all know needs to be done. Yield yourself. Less me, more you, God. Jesus gave us the perfect example in the Garden of Gethsemane. I don't want to die on the cross, Lord. He didn't say this verbatim, but bear with me. If there's any other way that we can accomplish what you're up to, please let's go with that route. But not my will, God, yours. That's what Jesus said. Not my will, yours. That's yieldedness. Jesus lived out that yieldedness in the next several hours as we know what happened when he was arrested and tried and beaten and crucified. That's real yieldedness. That's putting yourself out there and really letting God have you. All of you. Everything. Every part. And let him do his work. we got to talk. And there's a model for how we can talk to God. By the way, when you talk to God, it's not about format. That format I gave you, that acronym, don't let that become your babbling on and on. Check, I got my P. Check, I got my R. Check, I admitted. Check, I said I was yielded. Wah, 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 wah. Don't let that become, it's not about the format. God could not care less the format that you pray to Him. You, you know what? You can, you can yield on the front end. You, you can just submit yourself to God right there. You know what? Sometimes you can pray a prayer that is nothing but yieldedness. Okay? That P-R-A-Y, it's just kind of a thing to help you get going, to understand when you talk to the Lord, what things you should be talking about. So talk, yes. Priority number three, how you pray includes a second thing. Listen. Shh. still and quiet before the Lord 
puts you in a heart set and a mindset to receive what he is saying to you. Too many of us only speak and never listen when we pray. Have you ever noticed the best friendships, the best relationships in your life? Those people that you're closest to and really get you and you get them? You're totally comfortable sitting in silence with them. Trina and I can have great time together sitting in silence, like not talking. can be in the same room, hanging out on the couch. We could be watching TV or not, reading each our own thing. And there's still a relational connection that happens. Now, that's because we also talk to each other. Some of my best friends, man, we go hunting and stuff together. We get in the car and go on like three and four hour road trips. I've had road trips where the entire drive was, how you doing, man? Great, how are you? Good, let's roll. That was the, that was the end of the conversation. And we got out of the truck when we got to our destination. We're like, dude. Like, I had that fulfilled, like, man, I love that dude. That is a great friend right there. Now, women, I know y'all don't get this nearly as much as the guys do. Women are like, what is he talking about? That's foreign. It's real. Trust me, try it just once or twice. I know it goes against everything that's in you. But especially in your relationship with God. Shh. Hush. Be quiet. Be still and listen. God cares about the honesty. He cares about the heart. He cares about the things that you say, but he then has something to say back. And if all you ever do is talk, you're not ready to listen. You can't hear him over the droning on and on of your own prayers. God wants you to listen. Learn to be comfortable in his presence. To sit still and be quiet. Before the Lord, He'll communicate with you. Not when He is ready. I mean, He'll do that too. But He's really waiting for you to be ready. I, I believe God's ready. He's ready to share with you. He's ready to meet you right where you are, to love you right where you are, to lead you right where you are. He's ready to communicate with you. It's you that He's waiting on, not the other way around. We make up things like, in God's timing, you know, and boy, He sure is making me wait for this. No, He's not making you wait. You're making you wait. Shut up. Listen. The Lord's ready to talk. How do you listen? How do you get your ears ready to hear what God has to say? I think it comes down to investing in your relationship with Him the same way that you invest in any other relationship that you have. you got to spend time together you got to hang out. you got to talk and listen. you got to get to know each other. you got to take your friend to go do your hobby and go with your friend to do their hobby. got to figure out what you like about them, what you don't like about them. Do you really want to hang or do you not? How do you spend time with God? There's a couple of great ways. I think the best way, the first way to get started spending time with the Lord is open up your Bible. If you don't have one, come see me today after this service you will have a Bible by the time the sun goes down this afternoon. If you don't have a Bible, come. if you've got a smartphone and you don't have a Bible, you have a Bible. Take out your smartphone, go to your app store, download the version or any number of other great Bible applications. Open up your Bible and see what God has to say. He's been communicating with us 
for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years right here in this book. It's, it's, it's all here. And a lot of us put them on our coffee tables and we dust them every other week and we tell our children, don't go in there, that's where God lives. Right? And you just pass on the generational curse of never opening your Bible. Open that rascal up and read it. God's talking. He has stuff to say to you. And He wants you to hear what He has to say. God often answers my prayers with Scripture. I pray. I tell Him what's on my heart. I I throw a challenge, a problem, a a, a praise even. And He will answer me back with Scripture. Now, let let me be really clear here. I don't really hear the audible voice of God like on a regular basis. I'll tell you two times in my life that I'm pretty sure I heard him audibly, but nobody around me did. So I don't know how that works, but it worked, okay? One was when he called me to ministry. I was sitting in a, in a room. Trina was right next to me. We were going through a training for a lay position in the church that we were at. And it was just as clear as anything. God said, that's your job. And I was like, say what? Did you hear that, Trina? She looked at me like, shut up. He's talking. You know, the pastor was giving us training. And I, I was sure I heard the audible voice of God. The other time was when he told me I was going to marry Trina. And, and I shared that a couple months ago. But, I mean, it was like audible. I'm walking up the street. I see her. It dawned on me who she was. And boom, you're going to marry her. Who said that? Now, that doesn't happen very often. That's two times in the 20-odd years I've been a Christian. So don't expect to necessarily hear the audible voice of God. But if you hear it, don't believe that it wasn't Him because I believe it can happen. But here's how God speaks to me. Here's how I receive His answers. It comes through the listening of my heart. He speaks to me in my heart. All of a sudden, this this overwhelming sense of something will just be like, Oh, ah, I get it. And a lot of times, that's a scripture. I'll pray something, and he will answer me back in scripture. It may be a verse I read that day. It may be a passage I preached on two months ago. It may be a story that was shared with me years ago when I was a child. And all of a sudden, it will just be totally clear in front of me. It will be like impressed upon my heart. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. I got it. And I love it when God communicates with me like that. I love it when He's so present and so clear. And most uh, Christians, they desire, we desire to have that relationship with God. We want that. And when you get it, it feels so, so good. And you just, uh, you have that confidence. Another way that God communicates with me is through other people. He'll answer my prayers through the words of other people. A lot of times it's my wife. Took me a few years to learn that one, the hard way. So guys, if you're early in your marriage or not married yet, let me just go ahead and tell you, if you marry a Christian woman, there's a re- and you should, there's a really, really good, ch- that's a whole other message for another day, and we will get there. But if you don't, just, yeah, n- not good. If you, but if you marry a Christian woman, God will use her to speak truth to you. He will communicate to you through your wife. And it will mess your head up because you're sure, like I'm sure, like I'm sure that I'm sure that I'm right just about 100% of the time. Is that the truth? Amen. Not that I am right 100% of the time. It's close. But I'm sure 100% of the time. There's just something about a leadership you know, person that has leader. They've got to be confident. And sometimes that confident can tri- confidence can trip you up. The Lord put my wife in my life. One of the great roles she plays is to trip me up 
on my being sure that I'm right 100% of the time. And she does it really well. And, and I've, I've, I am now thankful for that. Early in our marriage, not so much. I'm now there very thankful. And Trina's, Trina's an awesome partner in life and in ministry. God will speak to you through other people. It may be your spouse. It may be somebody sitting in this room right now. A friend, a trusted friend in Christ. The Bible talks about wise counsel. You should have wise counsel friends in your life. You should have an inner circle of people in your life that are close Christian friends. You need to share that faith in common if these are going to be like your board of directors in your life. I teach our students that they should have what I call their close circle is the people they can put inside of a hula hoop with them. Now, how many people can you fit inside of a hula hoop? It depends on how big you are, right? Get a bigger hula hoop if you're really big like me. I can fit about two or three people in the hoop with me. That's what my inner circle needs to look like. Those people need to be Christians. Those people need to be more spiritually mature than I am or on the same plane that I am. Those should be my inner circle people. And they are the people that God will often speak wisdom and truth into my life through. This series, Red Ink, came out of a relationship like that. I was talking about the church and where we are and where I believe God's taking us, and I didn't really know how we were going to kick off the first of this year, and I wasn't comfortable with what I had already kind of decided, and I knew that wasn't going to happen. And he goes, well, why don't you just preach about what Jesus said? Why didn't I think of that? But it came through one of those relationships that I have. Have those Christian close friends, those relationships. God will answer prayers. I'd been praying for like two or three weeks specifically about that when, when my friend hit me with that. God will speak to you through other people. He will speak to you through his word, through scripture. He will speak to you through prayer when you're ready to listen. You've got to invest time in that relationship. You've got to invest time and be still and be quiet and stop talking and listen. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Jesus was great at this. Everything Jesus said he said came from his father. Everything he did, he said came from his father. He listened. Many times in the New Testament, we see Jesus retreating to lonely places to pray. We see him going away from the crowds, away from the throngs of people, away from, from all of, even the disciples, alone. And getting alone with his father so he could be still and be quiet and listen and receive what God has for him. Jesus, we know, is God with us. God with us. If God with us needed to retreat to lonely and quiet places to hear the voice of God and to receive everything that God had for him. Why do we think that we are better than that? Why do we think or act like we don't need to do the same? If Jesus could take time from his mission of saving the world, hello, 
why do you throw up the lame excuse, and I do it too, that I don't have time in my day to get with God? Is my mission more important than what Jesus' mission was in those three years that we have recorded in the New Testament? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to elevate myself to that level. No, I'm not comfortable with that. I think his mission was more important, and yet he had time to take away, to get away, to get quiet, to listen to the Lord. Prayer is too important. It's too potent and powerful to be treated like some obligation that we've got to get to, something to check off my Jesus list. Prayer has too much potential for you and for the world around you to be blown off and brushed off as something that I can just kind of wing it. I can pray empty prayers, impersonal things that mean nothing to me or to God or to anybody else. Prayer is too intimate to be a public display. It's too intimate to be wasted on impressing people with your fancy words and your Real religious talk. We need to remember today and every day the prayer priorities that we've discussed today, the things that we have gleaned from what Jesus taught. This is the thing behind the thing. When Jesus was speaking, this was what he was really getting at. It's knowing who your audience is. Are you praying for the benefit of people? Are you praying for the ears of God? It's knowing what you're praying, being open and honest and personal. And it's knowing how that you've got to both talk and listen. God wants to know you personally and intimately. He wants to be known by you personally and intimately. Some of us right here, right now, today, need to stop down and we need to pray for real. So we're just going to go ahead and do that. For the next minute, we're just going to be silent. And I want you to pray with these priorities. Personal, intimate prayers. Pray silently so you're not trying to impress the person next to you or behind you or in front of you. And invest part of this time, in maybe even all of this time, in just being quiet and listening for what the Lord has to say to you.